the principal reason for the discontent of our time is because you have been encouraged by a demagogy of the left to believe that the federal government is going to take care of your life for you. Well, what can I say? Not you have given that ghastly position once again yeah. of the well-to-do and those who inherit money and believe that others must somehow achieve equality. But in actual fact, you're going to have a revolution if you don't give the people the things they want. Now, I'm putting it to your own self-interest. They're going to come and take it away from you. This is The Middle with Anthony Weiner. Unplugged. Welcome to episode 58 of The Middle Unplugged, a break in the middle of the week when we reclaim the microphone from the far left and the far right and try to carve out some time for a less shrill and less extreme and generally less angry conversation. We really don't have debates around political philosophy anymore, at least not the way we used to. The idea of what it meant to be a New Deal Democrat or a Ronald Reagan Republican, that used to be the soundtrack for decades of discussion in America. I think it's an oversimplification to say that this type of framing ended with the rise of Trump. But once the Republican Party surrendered its foundational elements of being the moral, religious, anti-crime, strong anti-communist party by embracing an immoral, a-religious, many times indicted lover of Putin, it sure did put a nail in the coffin of the ideological party and became a party of one. But before Trump, both parties struggled to attract the middle by trying to temper their most politically troubling parts of its core. Bill Clinton fought for a tough-on-crime crime bill and a downright conservative welfare reform law. The era of big government is over, he said. George W. Bush saw the need to grow his party by tacking left on issues important to recent immigrants, by making a half-hearted attempt to help the plight of the 12 or so million undocumented people in our country. Clinton was successful, Bush less so, but both talked about their efforts in terms of the philosophy that supported their respective parties. Today, that debate is a jumbled mess. It's Republicans who are not sure they want to stand up against Russian aggression, for example. And it was the Democrats who passed the biggest expansion of healthcare, the health care safety net in a generation, not by adding to Medicare, a signature Democratic accomplishment, but by instead muscling up the private insurance industry. Debates today are reduced to Republicans trying, as many ways possible, to own the libs or blame Joe Biden for some ill that has befallen the country. And the Democrats wag their fingers, and me too, at the specter of Donald Trump. I'll get to that a little and ask Anthony. So I'm interested in this debate that will be happening tomorrow on Fox News between Gavin Newsom and Ron DeSantis. The conceit is that you have two big city governors who have very different ideas about how government and governors are supposed to work. They're both good at politics, or at least as much as you don't become the governor of a big state without some political skills. And they both are in the top handful or so of leaders of their respective parties. At least you can hear a debate on the closest version of a philosophy discussion. Where are more bad things happening? Republican places or democratic ones? I mean, crime is running rampant in blue cities. Women are being arrested and have, and for having abortions in red states. Ten minutes listening to cable news and you will hear this framing. Will this debate actually be one of philosophy or are the two participants too weighed down by their agendas? Ron DeSantis is a struggling candidate for president who is more interested in seeming ready for the job to voters in Iowa than defending the party of Lincoln and Reagan. 
Besides, much of his reason for running, his assault on major corporations for being woke, and his handling of COVID in his state, well, neither of those things has aged very well. He's one of the least popular governors in America right now. Gavin Newsom might be more willing to talk about what it means to govern like a Democrat nowadays, but will likely be pushed into primarily defending Joe Biden. This show is going to be hosted by Sean Hannity, who is not exactly a deep thinker about stuff. But he's well versed in how old Joe Biden is and the 200 press conferences James Comer has held talking about how close they are to almost having something to consider that might eventually lead to a smoking gun about Hunter Biden. Sean Hannity does not have the good sense to be the kind of moderator that Harry Reasoner was when ABC, uh, the TV network, not the radio station, decided to try something different in 1968 and have an intellectual of the left, Gore Vidal, and an intellectual of the right, William F. Buckley, debate each other during the breaks in the Democratic and Republican conventions that historic year. We heard a little taste of one of those sessions at the top with the cold open. Those debates were arguably forebears of the many type of crossfire type shows that we have seen litter the television landscape ever since. Left versus Right, the radio show I do with Curtis Lee, was yet another attempt to capture this combination of sport and substance. But in spite of the limitations of the venue and the host and the imperfect messengers, I'll be watching. Crime is up from pre-COVID. Criminologists are not exactly sure why. Some of it may have been a reaction by the police, uh, uh, not to COVID so much, but to Black Lives Matter protests, and they might have gone a little easier on crime. It may be because states and localities have had to retrench their police departments after COVID, after all that aid stopped flowing. Or it may have been because the de-incarceration efforts that culminated in even red states like Texas and the United States under Donald Trump, concluding that too many people had been sent to prison during the crime waves of the 1990s. Or maybe the reform prosecutors that got elected, maybe they did go too far. I expect the San Francisco is on fire, New York is out of control, Chicago is a shooting gallery. I expect those lines of attack to be a staple of the debate, just as they've been on Fox, and to be honest, by callers of my show for some time. It's a worthwhile discussion. But I'm not sure the premise that fits is a blue city or a red state holds up. Big cities have a lot of crime before, before crimes happens where there are people, and there are a lot of people in big cities. Also, the big media organs in big, are in big cities, so making every disturbing crime story an international TikTok fodder, it's pretty easy to do. But the only fair way to look at crime is to measure it per capita. And by this measure, the state that tops the list of crime is Alaska. And lots of cities in Ron DeSantis' Florida have double the crime, uh, per capita than many New York, that, that New York City does. Now, there are lots of problems with the way we collect data on crime in the United States. The FBI relies on localities to report it and really make any effort to audit the data. So if DeSantis wants to argue that the data can't be trusted, that's fine. But you can't have it both ways. You can't say that crime is out of control, but also say that you can't trust the data that shows that crime is out of control. Speaking of the data, crime appears to be dropping in New York City and the nation. But it will be some time before those perceptions that crime is fading will actually fade. So you have the parties interested in helping keep that crime as a campaign issue. I'm sure they'll get into this thing that passes for an ideological debate around this whole woke thing. Oddly, it'll be the Republican governor in this debate talking about taking a heavy hand with business interests that don't hew to the philosophy of the incumbent. 
DeSantis has been at war with the Walt Disney Company because he doesn't like the politics of the company around gay rights and other things. That's the Republican take nowadays, and that's odd. It could be that Newsom agrees with his Florida counterpart that government should lean heavily on business to be good corporate citizens around things like pollution or providing a living wage or things like that. But it's an odd juxtaposition to see the Republican arguing for more heavy hand of regulation coming from a governor. One place that the Republican ideology has held firm is on the issue of tax breaks for rich people. Tax rates in the two states, California and Florida, will no doubt be discussed. And in this case, it's what old is new again. DeSantis and Newsom will take their assigned places. But it's gotten complicated for DeSantis. He has been criticizing Trump for policies that have driven up our national debt more than any other administration in history. About 25% of all of our nation's debt was piled up during the Trump years, and most of it the result of the tax cut. DeSantis voted for that tax package. It's still a bit complicated for Newsom since Biden has proposed leaving many of those tax cuts for families earning $400,000 or less in place. But look for zingers about how many people have left California and New York in search of lower taxes in Florida. But even the issue of migration between states is not so simple as Florida is where people go, ergo it is a better run state. A lot of New Yorkers move to Florida. It's a thing. They call them snowbirds because they go down for the warmer weather, and many of them change their legal address for, yes, the lower taxes in Florida. But an interesting thing happens in a way that summarizes the ways Democrats and Republicans prioritize. Older people tend to move back to New York when they have health care needs. They come back for the better hospitals, the better Medicaid, the better doctors. Yeah, there's no dispute that the state budget of New York and California is much higher than that of Florida. But that is because some states invest in expensive but important stuff for their constituents, like health care. I'm interested to see how the inevitable conversation around immigration goes down. I haven't been impressed with DeSantis on this one. I give him points for creativity for flying migrants from Florida to Martha's Vineyard. But that stunt hasn't aged well. It gave, it, he gave a no-bid contract to a friend to do the flying. And he's being sued because his administration lied to those people about their ability to work when they got to Massachusetts. To say nothing of the inhumanity of the stunt. But as the campaign has progressed, it seems that the stunts is all DeSantis knows when it comes to immigration. One idea he keeps returning is this one. We are going to authorize the use of deadly force against the cartels. If you have somebody coming in with the fentanyl on their in the backpack, they even break through the border wall where there is wall. Uh, if they're doing that, uh, that's the last thing they, they're going to be able to do because we're going to leave them stone cold dead at the border. So will this line be what Hannity and Newsom uses to push back on him? Will they maybe ask DeSantis, how would all this work? I assume everyone with a backpack gets shot. Anyhow, I'm eager to see Newsom on immigration because for the most part, Democrats have not been very convincing on it. This, by the way, is one of the issues that has morphed over the last 20 years or so. So it no longer is a bipartisan issue. There have always been anti-immigrant elements of the right who just don't like brown people. And on the left, among people who are concerned about chief labor coming in and competing with their constituents. But there was once a governing center around the need to regularly update our immigration laws for the benefit of the immigrants, but more importantly, for the benefits of our economy. Let's see if Newsom can make a winning issue for Team Democrat. So I hope we get a version of why I'm a Republican out of DeSantis and why it's better to be a Democrat out of Newsom.
It would be way better than this Biden is old versus Trident, uh, Trump is a fascist. But we will, what we will probably get is somewhere in between. Two guys who both want to be president someday, but won't anytime next year. So they'll be using each other as practice. I understand the motivation of both of them. Newsom is trying to be transparent about being a troll here. Take a listen to about 35 seconds of the governor of California talking about the governor of Florida. The fact that he took this debate, the fact that he took the bait in relation to this debate, shows that he's completely unqualified to be president of the United States. That's my humble first Why is that? You're baiting him with the debate Of course. I mean, why is he debating a guy who's not even running for president when he's running for president? He's showing up at the Reagan Library, hollowed ground, and he puts out an ad today, not for his presidential campaign, to promote a debate against the governor of California? I mean, this guy's distracted. So I don't know that he has it in his heart. I think, here's my personal opinion about Ron DeSantis, he regrets running for president. So Newsom says he's baiting DeSantis and that DeSantis is punching down by taking the bait. I don't know. Were DeSantis, were DeSantis not doing this debate with Newsom? His other option was probably eating a pork chop on a stick at some county fair in Iowa waiting for Vivek Ramaswamy to shut up already so he could speak. Look, this is the sportification of politics, making debate MMA a cage match, perhaps. Everyone gets a little something out of it. Here in the middle unplugged, we, I, hope we get a bit, a bit more than just insults about Ron DeSantis' high-heeled shoes and Gavin Newsom having parties with rich people while his state was supposed to be locked down for COVID. You can look that one up. It may not be Gore Vidal versus William F. Buckley, but for one night, we can forget about the contest none of us is really happy about. Biden v. Trump, too. And with that, we'll be right back with Ask Anthony Anything. So this is the listener mail segment. No more social media tags. I'm told that's not in anymore. So wienerwabc at gmail, wienerwabc at gmail.com. Last week on the eve of Thanksgiving, we revealed uh, and reviewed our people we were grateful for. The next day on Thanksgiving, both Donald Trump and our president, Joe Biden, weighed in on the meeting of the day. They both played to type. Joe Biden dialed into the broadcast of the Macy's Parade and had a nice chat with Al Roker. What's your Thanksgiving uh, message for all of our viewers? Well, I think we have to remind ourselves how blessed we are to live in the greatest nation on the face of the earth. That's real. We're an extraordinary, made extraordinary progress. There's nothing beyond our capacity when we work together. So today's about coming together, giving thanks for this country we call home, and thanks to all the firefighters, police officers, first responders, and our troops, some of whom are stationed abroad. I've never been more optimistic, Al, so I... And uh, we're delighted to be with you. Very nice. Very old school. You can almost visualize Biden on his rotary dial phone. But once again, Donald Trump beat him to the punch in every way. First of all, the Trump message arrived at 2.03 a.m. on Thanksgiving morning. A good nine hours ahead of sleepy Joe Biden. Two o'clock in the morning. And I say arrived because unlike the old guy in the White House, Donald Trump uses fancy technology. Permit me to read his... Greeting from Truth Social. Again, this is at 2.09 a.m. And I'll put it up on the screen for those of you who are watching on YouTube. And I'll give you a dramatic reading for the rest of you. Here I go. Happy Thanksgiving to all, including the racist and incompetent Attorney General of New York State, Letitia Peekaboo. You know, this is the wrong way to read it. Let me try to give you some of the pronunciation for those of you listening at home. First of all, listen for the all caps 
and also listen to the words that he capitalized, even though they're not proper names. And I'll also try to put some emphasis where he makes a quote, just so you get a chance. Now, if you sense that I'm reading kind of fast, it's because there's no periods in this entire statement. Happy Thanksgiving to all, capital all, including the racist, capital R, and incompetent, capital I, Attorney General of New York State, Letitia, quote, peekaboo, James, who has let murder, capital M, and violent crime, capital V, capital C, flourish, all caps, and businesses, capital B, flee, all caps. The radical left, radical in capitals, left in, oh, Trump in capitals, and hating judge, also in capitals, a psycho, in quotes, Arthur Engeron, who criminally defrauded, capital C, capital D, the state of New York and me by purposely valuing my assets at a, quote, tiny fraction. I can't do it. There's really no way to read this except just to say it's a little bit nuts. And this is Thanksgiving morning at 2 o'clock in the morning. I mean, who has weaponized his Department of Justice, Marxist... Oh, that's what I'll do. I'll just read the key words. Here you go. Racist, peekaboo... Violent crime, psycho, weaponized, hell, rhino, destroy our country, presidential election 2024, make America great again. So you kind of get the vibe. That's Donald Trump's statement on Thanksgiving morning. I'm sorry we didn't get to it last week, but I wanted to make sure you knew that you were in his thoughts on Thanksgiving morning. By the way, that got 7,010 retruths, which is what they call... I have no idea. And 25,700 likes. That's the president of the United States, number 45, and what he had to say to Thanksgiving. So I appreciate him weighing in. I appreciate President Biden weighing in with their Thanksgiving thoughts. A little bit late. I hope you all had a good Thanksgiving. I know these statements make it a lot better for me as well. Um, as always, if you'd like to add anything to the show, like to comment on the show, it's wienerwabcradio at gmail.com. I want to thank Eric and Ricky and Will and all the guys who have made another episode possible. And thank you very much for sharing it and downloading it. This is The Middle Unplugged, and this marks the end of The Middle Unplugged. <laughs>